Hello, and welcome to the Untold Hour. Oh man, my voice cracked. If Jess was here, she would have called me out, but she's not here. Nobody's here to call me out and make fun of me for fucking it up. Uh, This is Andrew Bowser. I'm your only host this week, because if you've caught up on the Untold Hour, you know Jess is going to be out for a few weeks. So it's just me and Aristotle holding down the fort, but we're going to hold it down hard. Um, we're not phoning it in. I've got fun shit booked. Think of it like the substitute teacher shows up, but they're going to show you Selena on VHS because that's what would happen in my Spanish class when my teacher was out and I was always stoked because I loved the movie Selena. Okay. Uh, we have a guest on today's episode and originally we were going to do a 30 to 40 minute interview and I'd still open with weird of the week and talk about my backyard, and maybe talk about some horror movies, but this interview wound up going for a full hour, and I enjoyed every minute of it, so I don't want to take away from the interview, I just want to throw y'all directly into it. It's me chatting with Sapphire Sandalo, and if you don't know her, you're about to get to know her. Enjoy. All right, I am back with a very special guest this week on the Untold Hour. I am joined by Sapphire Sandalo. You might know her from Paranormal Caught on Camera on the Travel Channel or the Something Scary web series. Thank you so much for coming today, Sapphire. Thank you so much for having me. I know a lot of people might not be seeing the video of this, but it's very well-skinned. It's you're blue and I'm red. And it makes for a really nice combo. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And we didn't plan that. But it's very complimentary. I like it. I love it. (laughs) Well, first off, for those that don't know you, uh, what do you do? I mean, I know you do a travel channel show, like I just said. Uh, You're involved with horror and the supernatural. But just give us a brief overview of of what you do as as a host. Sure. Um, I sort of do a lot of different things. Um, Primarily, I'm an animator. So I was animating for TV shows and commercials for a couple of years. Um, And then I went into the more digital space, which is when I did something scary. And then now I host a show called Stories with Sapphire, where I share real people's real paranormal experiences while also sharing some cultural facts and knowledge, mostly from the Philippines, because that's where my family is from. Um, and yeah, I'm actually starting to be on a lot of other paranormal shows, which I can't talk about yet, but I'm excited for that. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Have you been able to continue work as an animator during this pandemic? I feel like everyone I know in animation is still working just fine. Everybody's yeah. still keep it on, keep it on. <laughs> yeah. Actually, when the lockdown started, it was literally the first time in my life I ever thought, wow, I chose the right career. Right. <laughs> Because it was the yeah, it's one of the few things that can be done completely remote. Um, and yeah, <laughs> I was working uh, doing a, a live stream, and when the lockdown happened, and same, I we quickly pivoted to just doing it from home. Our hosts live streaming from home, and the job continued. 
And I was so thankful for that. And same, I was like, wow, man, I really, I lucked out with this current gig, without a doubt. (laughs) Well, so tell me a little bit about how you became interested in the paranormal. It seems like it was something that was woven into your upbringing, was it? Yeah, you could say that. Um, My grandpa on my mom's side, he grew up in the Philippines. Um, Him and my mom and the rest of their family didn't move here until I believe like the 70s or something. But um, my grandpa always had these really cool stories from when he grew up. Um, He would talk about how he lived next door. (laughs) His next door neighbor was a fairy and she was dating his neighbor. (laughs) Love it. Um, And then he told us about how he would wake up in the middle of the night sometimes and he would hear giants' footsteps in their fields. And when he would look in the fields the next morning, there would be these giant patches that were like trampled as if a giant was walking through. Um, Just a bunch of stuff like that. He's literally seen it all. Were these told to you as tall tales or were they told to you as as fact? (laughs) Oh, no, this is fact. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, the, the thing about Filipino culture is that spirits and the paranormal and the spirit realms, it's all very real to us. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like when people ask, you know, do you believe in ghosts? But for us, it's not really a matter of whether you believe or not. It's right. literally part of our culture. So um, because I grew up in that type of environment, um, that's what got me really interested in learning more about, okay, what are spirits? What are ghosts? What are these creatures? What is what are all these things that, you know, everyone else is saying isn't real, but my family is telling me that it is. Um, yeah. yeah and especially, mm-hmm. especially telling you that it is not in a way that's, uh, that's taboo or crazy. Like, well, we actually believe in ghosts, but just the idea that, that culturally it was an understanding that's so interesting to me because I had very much the opposite upbringing of that. Oh, really? But, uh, yeah. Well, just very, um, well, in a weird way, we still believed in the supernatural, but I just grew up in a very uh, suburban, I grew up in Maryland outside of D.C., but uh, Methodist home where ghosts couldn't be discussed, but like demons, everything was a demon or an angel. So there was no in between. <laughs> right. It was very binary. So. My interest in the supernatural, if I wanted to believe something was a ghost, it would immediately go to, well, no, that's most likely a demon that is taunting this person. Or, yeah, everything was a demon or an angel. There was no in between. So it kind of moved me away from exploring that until I got older. You know what I find? What's so fascinating to me when I speak with, because I I speak with a lot of people about their stories, and the common thing that comes up a lot is that people will mention that they grew up really Christian or Catholic, and so a belief in the paranormal was um, just not a thing. But to me, I feel like Catholicism is all about spirits and weird, unexplainable stuff. So it doesn't super make sense to me why... People would think, okay, because I grew up Catholic or Christian, that that equates with not being being separate from the paranormal. I don't know if that made. And you're no, you're right, (laughs) and it is odd because, uh, and I've told this story before on the podcast, but you know, I'd have nightmares about demons and these things, and my parents would be like, "Where do you think you're getting this from?" Because you weren't watching horror. I wasn't watching horror movies at that age, and I'm thinking, I don't know, the Bible that you guys make me study every week. It's weird, though. It's kind of skirted or it's put under the rug a bit. It's not focused on, even though it's it's there. 
I mean, I, I wrote something the other week in a script I was working on about, and, and, you know, it's a weird horror movie. Somebody eats someone else's finger at some point. And I was like, where is that imagery from? And I'm thinking, <laughs> well, it's the Eucharist. It's, the, you know, consuming mm-hmm. Christ's body. Yeah, you're right. All that imagery is prevalent in that culture, but I guess it's more shunned or, or uh, it isn't mm-hmm. explored as much. I guess maybe people are confusing paranormal for the occult. Like, I think sure. they're, they might be lumping it all together because really what the paranormal is, it's just something that is beyond our understanding. And I feel like mm-hmm. a lot of religion is that. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, whereas like the occult, that's when you're starting to get into actual practices of some sort. And to me, that makes sense why somebody sure. who, yeah, right, like if they're Catholic, like, okay, avoid my family like hates that I do tarot cards. I'm like, they're not evil. You know, it's just a lot of fear just comes from the lack of knowledge, really. Well, I remember being terrified. You know, I grew up in the, in the late 80s, but satanic panic was still a thing. And I remember mm-hmm. being told Dungeons and Dragons would welcome demonic forces into your home. <laughs> I remember thinking it was it was a matter of bringing the wrong object home or opening the wrong book. And the next thing I knew I would have given my family over to the forces of evil. <laughs> and, I, and I grew up with that kind of being a very real threat. Instead of it maybe being understood and, uh, you know, seeking knowledge on those things, it was just fear and panic. Oh, and, 100%. Yeah. But so in, in your in your family, when someone passed away, was there the understanding? What was the relationship like with death? Was death something that was spoken about? Was... The afterlife, something that was spoken about, was the belief that they were still here and we could speak with them. How did uh, how did your family interact with the con the concept of death? Oh, for sure. Um, so I've been lucky enough that not many of my close family members have passed in my lifetime. Um, probably the first funeral I attended was my great grandmother's, who she died when I was like in fourth grade, and um, after her death. I remember a lot of my family sharing these stories of how they felt her presence after mm-hmm. she died. And, you know, it was just presented as a normal thing, you know, like um, Lola showed herself today or, you know, <laughs> um, it's very yeah. common. Yeah. in Filipino families just to be like, oh, um, you know, Tito, whatever showed up today or, oh, yeah, last night I was talking to um, your Lolo. And, you know, mm. one of my aunts, um, she actually shared a bunch of stories for my recent podcast. Um, she listened to my podcast and then she called me and we spoke for like two hours because she had all these really cool stories. And um, she told me that she was never close with her parents in life, but she became close with them after death wow. because they appear in her dreams. They appear throughout her life. And I just thought that was really beautiful. I feel, yeah, I, uh, whereas I, in, in the, culture that I grew up with, I, I, I often feel like, and maybe this is me being harsh, but I feel like it was a lack of culture. I feel like it was just hmm. this kind of uh, hodgepodge of, we were kind of Christian, but we weren't very, it wasn't Catholic. My dad was raised Catholic. We were just this like middle of the road Methodists, but we weren't just, you know, Easter Sunday Christians. We went every Sunday. I went to Bible school, went to youth group, was even like a youth group leader at one point, which was hmm. a watch but I, I literally on a youth group trip put on texas chainsaw massacre um uh and and my youth pastor was like well like 
I guess we could watch this because it's kind of about like man's depravity. You know, he had to frame it in some like biblical context. <laughs> but I was like, I don't know, man. I just got bored of praying and want to watch a movie. Um, but yeah, but but uh, it, I don't feel very connected to whatever culture I grew up in. Um, sure. And uh, and if I had said to a family member, I've been talking to my deceased relative. I would have become the crazy family member. Really? Instead of it being, yeah, instead of it being, that's awesome. If I said, oh, I think my grandmother, you know how much she loved birds. Well, I think she may be talking to me through a bird that's in our yard. They'd be like, okay, Andrew, time to, you know, take you to a doctor. So I, I, I yeah, in a way, I, uh, I envy that openness around the supernatural. Oh, really? I think that's really cool. Yeah. It must have I felt, <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you feel like it was, it was, um, um, that it was fortunate to have grown up in that kind of environment, but I think it's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard to say how I would have turned out if I lived in, you know, a different family or yeah. culture. Um, but I, it's weird. Cause like, I also was a super scaredy cat though. Really? <laughs> um, yeah. And I think the reason why ghost stories in particular is what interested me is because I felt safer. Like if somebody Mm. is standing in front of me telling me a story, I still get that feeling of the chills, but without any actual visuals or anything physically touching me or, you know, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I find a great comfort in, I mean, people don't believe me. When I tell them I put on... I run a horror movie on my TV VCR 24 hours a day. I have it in my office. It's behind me. It just sits on. It's muted most of the time because I'm working. But it's I just go through my rotation. It's Halloween, Gremlins, The Thing. Um, what else is over there? Oh, gosh. I, as soon as I looked at my shelf, it was it was The Crow and then a Chippendale Rescue Rangers tape. So that's not worth <laughs> mentioning. But, um, you know, Zombie High School. Great. Child's Play, Evil Dead 2, Dark Man. And they are comforting to me. The vibe that I get from ghost stories or from spooky things are comforting. They don't, um, you're right, like, even if I get that kind of edge of being scared, that little tinge of fright, I'm still comforted by it. I'll listen to mm-hmm. John Carpenter or, or Danny Elfman music to run. Like, there, it, it is interesting. Um, that's actually, no, that's actually pretty genius because it, it's motivating you to, like, you know, <laughs> someone's chasing it, you. That's true. It also makes you feel like there's a slasher behind you. Yeah. Yes. Um, well, outside of outside of the supernatural as it pertains to ghosts or people passing on, in the Filipino culture, are there, I mean, you mentioned fairies and giants. Are there mentions of cryptids and folklore like monsters and creatures. I oh, I had yeah. a friend. This is. I asked you a question that immediately cut you off to share an anecdote. <laughs> but this may prompt something. I had a friend um, whose mother was was Irish, and I think she was kind of messing with us. But she told us one night that she grew up next to a leprechaun, and she just told what? us she was like, "We have leprechauns in Ireland, Andrew," and uh, and sh- and man, that story. I think every other kid there knew it was a bit, but I left that night being like, dang, that's tight, dude. Your mom knew a leprechaun. I mean, I was sold, and I'd ask her about it. I was like, tell me more about the leprechaun that you said grew up. She said it grew up, like, in, uh, it would come out of this hole in the ground in Mm -hmm. between her house and the next house. And 
she would talk to it and feed it something. Anyway, I was obsessed with that leprechaun, even though I'm sure that woman was was doing a bit for the kids that her friends, well. her, her son was hanging out with. I'm actually really glad that you brought this up. Good. <laughs> because I'm going to make you feel not crazy for okay. thinking that this could possibly be real. That's you all I want. Crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so... Let's see, where do I even begin? <laughs> um, I guess I could start with, let me think. Uh, okay, okay, I know where to start. So um, back in December, I was interviewing a lot of people for my podcast, and one of my friends referred me to her mom. And so I drove down to Orange County, and I interviewed her in her house, and she, well, she... Huh, she's probably one of the coolest people I've ever met. <laughs> like she's a legit medium. Um, wow. She you know doesn't do it for a living. I, the real people who actually have an ability do not do it for a living for money. Those are not the real people. Just heads up. Right. Um, so she was telling me about how her and her daughter were in Ireland, and they were on a tour, just like driving around, and they noticed. Um, a lot of little creatures in wow. the ground. And so, but they only they were the ones who could see it. Um, I think her her husband couldn't see it because both of them have like the gift. And so, what, yeah. And so what she explained, she calls it mid-earth. So huh. there's creatures, like, which is like middle earth, basically, sure. <laughs> like Lord of the Rings. Um, she calls it mid-earth. And it's basically this realm of creatures that it's basically all of the fantasy and horror stories that we know that's where they all exist and some people can see them and some people can't so a lot of folklore there's a lot of um a lot of the times you'll see rules that are like oh they only appear to people that they want to appear to Mm -hmm. um, which explains like why a lot of people like don't see them and i think it's because it's part of a it's mostly for protection too. They're not going to show themselves to someone who's going to react in a harmful or negative mm-hmm. way. Like, why would they do that? Um, but what's really cool is that, um, so, okay, so we've got the leprechauns in Ireland and then in the Philippines, they have something kind of similar called a duende. Hmm. So a duende is a tiny little goblin sort of creature. They can't be seen by everybody, but they're said to live in these little mounds of dirt in the ground. And so there's a practice in the Philippines that if you enter an area where you see a lot of these mounds or just any part of nature, really, um, you're supposed to walk through and say, tabi tabi po, which means, excuse me. Um, And if you don't do that, then the duende will get really mad and they'll curse you. Sometimes they'll make you sick. Sometimes they'll injure you. Um, And the only way to appease them or to apologize is to give them a food offering at their home. So if you think that you've been cursed by a duende, you need to go buy some fruits and veggies. That's what they like. And then you place it by the the little mounds and then you'll <laughs> get better. Oh and this my is, gosh. Yeah. I love it. So this is something that's happened to a number of my family members. So to me, wow, it, it feels very real. <laughs> so you've had family members that have made offerings to the duende is, is duende mm-hmm. also used as plural, or would it be? Um, I think it's duende for duende. single and plural. I might be okay. wrong. Okay. <laughs> um, so you've had family members that have made offerings specifically because there may have been a curse, 
Yeah. Oh, wow. And mm-hmm. what what were the what was the um evidence of the curse? Physical or yeah. Financial? So, yeah. Uh, a mix. Um, one of my aunts, she had like a swollen leg after she stepped on an anthill. Hmm. Um, I don't know if she gave an offering. I actually don't know how she cured herself. But my favorite Duende story is from the same aunt that I mentioned earlier, the aunt who, uh, called me after she listened to my podcast. Yeah. Um, she said that when she was younger, she was like, uh, in the care of her niece, um, Like, she was the guardian for her niece. And Mm -hmm. her niece was in high school. And so one day, uh, the high school called her. And they were like, you need to come down here right now. Something weird's going on. And my aunt was just like, okay. So she came down. And then she found her niece in a chair. And she just seemed very out of it. Like, they, they tried talking to her. And she just was not responsive at all. And they're like, we don't know. We don't know what's wrong. Hmm. Um, and so uh, they called the sheriff over and the sheriff came and then he sort of had a suspicion that, you know, maybe something supernatural is going on, obviously, because it's the Philippines. <laughs> and yeah. so he went up to her and was like, um, tell, tell us what's wrong. Like, what happened? And then her niece, her voice dropped super low. And the way that my aunt described it, she said that she spoke in a voice that was cold and deep and wasn't hers. And she said, she stepped on my house. She hurt my children. And they were like, what is she talking about? And then they realized, oh, there are a ton of anthills outside of the school. And so they are thinking, oh, that maybe that's what is going on is that the Duende is now possessing her and wow. saying that they're mad because she's at her mm-hmm. at the niece. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um, that she they're mad that she stepped on their house and hurt their children, their children, Duende. Yeah. And so um, the sheriff asked, OK, what can we do to make this right? And then the voice said, um, bring me bananas and oranges and fruit. So that's what they did. They went out, they got the fruit, they placed it by the anthills. And when they came back in the room, the niece was totally fine. And wow. she didn't remember anything that just happened. No memory of no. saying that. Yeah. Wow. Man, I have too many questions that I can't even <laughs> parse through. I want to hear more about the Duende. I also want to know, Is it seems like in every culture there's a Bigfoot mm-hmm. legend. Is there a Bigfoot in the Philippines, hmm. something comparable? I want to say the one that I'm thinking of isn't, I don't think it's hairy like a Bigfoot, but the, yeah. we do have a giant, um, it's called a Bunisnis. Okay. I actually don't know if I'm saying that right, but it's this giant and it has it has like one eye and then it's got these tusks going out of its mouth. Um, but they're they're friendly though. Okay. They're they don't well, usually. Well, some Bigfoot are like Harry and the Hendersons. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> which is how I was introduced to Bigfoot. Um, but do they? But do they stand upright? Yes. And then they have tusks. That's mm-hmm. cool. I just love the the the, the idea of Mid Earth is what I think my friend's mother was talking about even uh, uh-huh. because I, the visual in my head it's so weird. The things that uh, I've held on to from that age that are 
pretty much exactly as I remember them. I watched, uh, I've said this on the podcast before, but I accidentally watched part of a horror movie uh, on TV late one night when I was like eight years old. And the scene was just imprinted on, on me and never knew what it was. I mean, into my 30s, I was on forums and tweeting and asking people, hey, asking again if you know what this movie was where this kid did this and then the parents and there was this monster. And uh, somebody finally told me it was from a movie called The Curse 2, I think, or or Bite, The Curse mm, 2. Okay. I went and found it, watched it. It was exactly what I remembered as an eight-year-old. <laughs> and I thought over the years I would have kind of conflated some details and exaggerated. No, I mean, I had it right down to what the characters were wearing. Wow. So interesting. But this leprechaun story is, is similar. I remember where we were sitting. I remember exactly what it felt like. And I remember the visual of these little mounds of dirt or whatever it would like. She said it when she said it would come up from the ground. I just remember thinking, oh, I never thought of a leprechaun like a groundhog. I never thought of them. <laughs> you know, even though I think in Darby O'Gill and the little people, uh, if there's any Darby heads out there, the leprechauns live underground. Have you ever seen that film? Mm-mm. It's a weird Disney movie that would be on, uh, God, it felt like it was on every week. And uh, I don't think was intentionally terrifying, but it was. <laughs> and I think it was about uh, leprechauns and, okay. and and a man named Darby O'Gill. Um, so, so tell me how you got into tarot and other things around, um, would you call, what would you call, I wouldn't say witchcraft, right? Tarot, I mean... Uh, medianship or other oh. things that related to um, I would the call supernatural, it the, occult. the occult. Okay. Everybody, I feel like, has different ways of contextualizing these things. And and I remember when we first started doing the podcast, I spoke with someone and I asked how they defined themselves and what they do because I didn't want to say witch. Right. And they were like, I'm a witch. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, yeah, no, totally. I just didn't know if is that and they and it was an interesting discussion because mm-hmm. they were like, "Well, you were afraid to call me a witch because you do think of witch as being a negative," and I was like, yeah. "You're right, I do. That's why I was nervous to call you a witch." <laughs> um, so now I know my my good friend Dylan is in fact a witch. But um, <laughs> so you would define it as being into things of the occult. When did that um, When did that start for you? When did it become more of a, it seemed it, it, with you, is it is it a more defined interest than it is for other people in your family? You have kind of taken a deeper dive into this stuff. A hundred percent, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when did um, that journey begin? Was there something that sparked that? Um, You know, with tarot specifically, it was something that I had always been interested in, but it really wasn't until a couple of years ago that I sat down got a deck of cards and like tried to teach myself how to do it. Mm-hmm. I think that's what got me into it was when I learned that anyone can do it. You can do it. Everyone can do it. There isn't really anything mystical going on with tarot cards. And I think that's what a lot of people don't understand. Um, I have given a lot of readings where it's like, whoa, this feels so magical because it literally it relates to what you asked. And it happens a lot. But Tarot really is just a tool to help you tap into your own intuition, to what you already know. Um, You know, having this third party in front of you basically confirm things for you, um, that's a really helpful thing. I mean, that's what therapists do. You know, you talk to a therapist and they, right? Yeah. And when you think of it that way, there really isn't anything that outlandish about it. But because 
of pop culture, because of, um, you know, the the imagery, I guess some people like demonize what tarot is. Right. And it's not evil at all. It's true. There's a... I've never thought of it in, in comparison to therapy, but right. When I've explained therapy to people that, that aren't in therapy, I, I say, well, you know, a lot of times it just starts, and I've only been in therapy for maybe a year and a half, at least consistently. Um, although I do have a funny story about being in therapy as a child. I can share, but... Uh, <gasps> I want to hear. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, um, I, when I explain to people what therapy is, if they're nervous about it, I say, like, I literally, I just talk about what's happened that week what's kind of spiked my emotions and it's not magic. It, it's, it's my therapist notices when something has an effect on me and she happens to understand how that may connect to other things that have had an effect on me. And then we talk about it, but it isn't, you know, everybody I think get, gets nervous that they're going to read your mail. Mm-hmm. Um, and <laughs> when I've had tarot read, it's the same thing. Someone has said, Oh, there's a big project right now. You're, you're in your head about, and I'm like, Yeah. And they're like, well, I think you you know what you're supposed to do. It's a matter of your gut, and, and you need to lean into your gut this time around. And I'm like, yeah? It's not magic. It's just understanding, um, I don't know, it's almost amplifying something that may already be in my consciousness, mm-hmm. or just like tapping on it a little bit. Uh, because in me, it's wrapped with a lot of other things, but an external uh, guide is able to highlight it much yeah. simpler. And actually, um, just I wanted to say a real quick thing. Yeah. Um, it's funny when you say like that's not magic, but like over the past year, I've sort of come to learn that that is magic. Right. Um, magic. All magic is is um, what do you call it? One thing becoming another thing or like, you know, the transformation of something, something changing in a way mm-hmm. that you cannot explain. And um, the way that it was described to me um, a couple months ago when I was at my shaman friend's house, um, she said that when you spend time with your friends and family, you know, for dinner, when you're connecting with people, that is a healing ritual. And that's what magic is. And I was like, whoa. Yeah. And that's sort of why now during the lockdown, you know, we don't really feel the same rejuvenation that we do over Zoom when we're meeting with people. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, yeah, that's all I wanted to say. No, you're totally right. <laughs> and I've, I've felt that too because I'm someone that um, I don't... Ah, gosh, how do I say this without sounding like a horrible person? I don't... <laughs> say it. I, I don't... Uh, <laughs> I would define myself as somebody that doesn't need to be social. Um, uh, oh, same. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I People have made jokes uh, with me over the years that are that are like, you don't really need friends do you like or 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 maybe even like i'm kind of a bad friend and i work on that but uh but it's true but i get i can become an island and i can become self-sufficient so i think Mm -hmm. and uh and i like autonomy probably for reasons that my therapist would be able to explain (laughs) but um but the truth is when i'm with people and when i'm you know, this sounds like a Christian term, but when I'm in communion with people, mm-hmm. it is transformative. And I always mm-hmm. walk away from those experiences with an understanding that I did need that. And we yeah. do need that. Um, as much as I'd like to be a recluse in a cabin somewhere. Um, the Real quick, the story from, from my... Well, I don't know how funny this will be, but... <laughs> It just connects to horror films, and I and I realized I think this year that I'm still 
applying the exact same solve that I applied to myself as a kid. But we we had there was a time where we were going to family therapy. So it was me, my sisters, and my parents. And the parents would go in first, and then uh, the kids would wait outside. And then I think maybe my older sister would go in with my parents, and then there'd be just me, and then there'd be all of us. And it was kind of a weird, like, trading of, like, who was in with the parents and who was in as a group. I don't even know what the therapist was trying to suss out. I don't remember at the time. (laughs) There's plenty of issues. But uh, Wait, how old were you? I was about eight. Okay. And uh, and I had just seen Gremlins 2. And I just remember not wanting to go to therapy because it gave me anxiety. And I would get in my head about what this meant and what my words were going to mean and what it all meant. But first time we went, there was this giant chalkboard in the little waiting room. And I was like, huh, I could draw a big fucking gizmo on that thing. <laughs> and I drew a gizmo the size of the chalkboard. And usually by the time I was done drawing that gizmo head, it'd be my turn to go in. And every week, I mean, for weeks on end, I would think about getting there and just drawing the gizmo and that being kind of the bridge to just get me through the anxiety and go in. And I would get better and better at drawing the gizmo. During the week, I'd look in my coloring book that was Gremlins 2 and like perfect. And then I'd go back and I'd be like, all right, I'm looking forward to therapy this week because I'm going to get the hair just right. I'm going to get more wrinkles in and detail. And then I realized as an adult, I put on Gremlins 2 every day on my TV VCR. And I glance over and just seeing those images, it's kind of a calming effect. And it's probably for the exact same reason because nowadays everyone's just in a constant state of anxiety. Um, but it made me laugh out loud alone in my office when I realized I'm still just looking at Gizmo's face to kind of get through the stress of whatever I'm experiencing. I mean, whatever works for you. Yeah, right. Exactly. That's actually really cute. (laughs) Well, yeah. And I, I, it makes me laugh to think of the therapist every day or at least every Wednesday having to erase that giant Gizmo. (laughs) Um, Was it any good? Yeah, the gizmo drawing? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I got, I could draw, whoo. I mean, I could draw a gizmo. <laughs> I could draw any of the Ninja Turtles. I was I was like the kid in school that people would, I turned it into a business for a while. They would pay me, oh, kids in elementary school, give me a quarter or 50 cents and I'd draw them a Spider-Man or a, yeah. Yeah, I got oh, pretty wow. good at it. I'd like to believe the therapist, the yeah. I'd like <laughs> to believe the therapist was like, he's a, really good at drawing gizmo. Or she didn't even know what it was from and thought it was some manifestation of my... <gasps> Id. Oh, I hope that's what she thought. I She's hope like, so. this kid's really creative. Yeah, I hope so. Well, you talked about having a shaman friend. Yeah. Uh, can you tell us about your shaman friend? Jess and I visited a shaman um, maybe two and a half years ago, and we had a really intense experience a good one, but um, very, very insightful. Um, we were, he, he channeled a spirit that he uh, has communicated with, I, I think since he was in his like 20s and he's now like 60 something, this this shaman. And um, through the communication with that spirit would then speak to you, would speak into your life. And um, 
I mean, the first words out of his mouth, and I apologize to our listeners who have heard me say this a million times, but I just met this guy, and the first words out of his mouth, once he's kind of crossed over and, and is in a different state, I mean, he really felt and moved like he was in a different state. He was sipping rum and spitting it from this bowl, and there was a lot of uh, ritual involved. But he looked at me, and he said, you, you're always in your head. Always in your head. Can't keep your feet on the ground, and yet you keep tripping over the same rock. And I was Whoa. like, fuck me, dude. <laughs> I mean, like, I've had people tell me, you know, my girlfriend in high school told me that. So, like, <laughs> to hear that from a guy I just met, right? sure, he could have read body language. Was I anxious? Was I on edge? Yeah, but... It felt personal, and then the further we got into the consultation or whatever you want to call it, he said even more that felt like he knew something about me that I hadn't yet revealed. Um, because he did. Because he did. <laughs> so, so, so your shaman friend, I, how do they? Yeah. Do they? Uh, is I don't know enough about that to know if there's always kind of a, a summoning of a spirit involved with them doing their thing or. Yeah, so her name is Lynn Pacificar. Um, shout out to her website, herbalaria.com. Um, she's amazing. I actually, I met her because of my podcast. Um, okay. I had been reaching out to people, looking for particularly Filipino people who have had paranormal experiences and wanted to share it on my show. And somebody referred me to her. And when I emailed her, I genuinely did not think she would get back to me. Like, I was like, why would she? And when she wrote back, she mentioned that she had actually just seen me on TV and was thinking about how oh, she wow. wanted to get in touch with me because she wanted to share her stories. And I was like, what? And she said that she felt like this was ancestrally guidance. She would love to share her stories. Um, and so I met her physically for the first time at her house for a full moon ritual back in January. And... Huh. I did not expect to spend six hours at her house, but I did. I was there from like oh. 6 p.m. to 2 in the morning. Um, and I'm like, I'm such an introvert. And I felt so comfortable with her and her daughter and her um, friend and her family. And I was just like, I felt so comfortable. And I remember before I left, I was like, it's so weird. This is so weird to me because I feel like we've known each other for so long. And she was like, well, in this lifetime. And I was like, oh, my God, you're right. Like, <laughs> we've known each uh, other before. Right, right. Um, but yeah, oh, she's. That. So um, she, what she, she's what's called a kata uran, which okay. means a truth teller. So she helps you see the truth <laughs> in okay. um, things. Um, so she does like home clearings you know she clears out spirits in your home she also does reiki um she kind of just does it all and she's really awesome <laughs> oh, wow yeah my um it's so funny uh my therapist will use language sometimes she is not an overly spiritual person mm -hmm. but she'll use language like um I'll say, well, you know, this happened to me this week and I don't know why it's so under my skin or what this meant. And she'll say, well, you know, it's up in your hologram. Hmm. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and what? Yeah, it's, but it, it kind of just means that, that it's something we're dealing with. And so it's going to be, if we're dealing with the root issue of something, 
um, it's going to be kind of up. I mean, I picture it like, um, uh, you know, the display inside of an Iron Man helmet. Like, mm. it's like this readout <laughs> in front of me. And if it's if there's an issue I'm dealing with, that then it's kind of up. And oh, okay. <laughs> and so I may see. I can visualize that now. So I may. So, so I mean, I, th- there's something that this I feel like is too tangential from what you just shared about the shaman, but maybe it kind of connects because it's what came up in my head. But mm-hmm. um, um, I had decided to. I had decided to shoot a short film really early on during this lockdown and it was for a contest and I didn't necessarily feel like I got to win this contest. I got to do, I just, it it was a distraction. So I thought I'll make this short. I've had the idea. Uh, The contest gives me a reason to do it. And um, I, but I felt a lot of guilt around pursuing the idea because I didn't know how dangerous it would be. I'm running around outside. It was really early on. I didn't have to interact with anyone, but I had to dress like a crazy person and go to the park in my neighborhood and run around and do a bunch of crazy stuff. And it wound up attracting um, a uh, crazy person. Not to be mm. re- reductive, but I uh, I attracted at least someone that was... Uh, on edge mm-hmm. mentally was uh, just uh, out of sorts and they wound up chasing me with a knife. Oh my God. And so it became a very harrowing experience. I'm wearing post-apocalyptic wardrobe elements and carrying my cell phone with me on a tripod because I was filming it that way. But anyway, I tell this whole story to my therapist And uh, God, who even knows if I know the point of sharing this anecdote, but I tell this whole story to my therapist and, and the way she unpacked it, what I was like, well, so was that man a symbol of, Hey, Bows, you're not supposed to make this short. You just got punished for making this short. You're going to get stabbed for making this short. It's a pandemic. You shouldn't be leaving the house. Uh, It's dangerous. You're going to upset people, you know, all these things. And, and that's one of the instances where she was like, well, all of this is up in your hologram. And I was mm. like, uh, I don't know what you mean. <laughs> and she walked me through like, why are you doing this short? Why are you trying to win this contest? All of that is is this, um, I don't know, I, I kind of torturing myself. I, I'm putting myself out there at this time when I don't need to. I'm strapping myself into this crazy gear and running around in the dirt of the L.A. River ravines uh, making this like sci-fi post-apocalyptic short kind of playing a crazy person and kind of channeling a lot of this anger and aggression and getting in touch with my, when I film, I kind of, that's when I'm my most, I don't know, uh, almost like animalistic. I just feel very in touch with my, myself mm-hmm. and my, you know, I feel very present and in my body. And then I met with this man that's like, the real manifestation of that, of what I may be processing creatively, what I may be pursuing as catharsis or on a metaphorical or figurative level, then I'm like confronted with this factual representation of it or real world representation of it. That was a long way to say (laughs) that when things are up in the hologram, uh, they're being worked on and then they're being... And then a lot of times something steps into the real world that I feel like represents that. And so you talking about this shaman coming along at a time when it felt needed or necessary 
and you wound up spending all of this time with them and felt like there was this comfort and this connection, it must have been because you were in need of that. And that kind of uh, seeking that was up in your hologram or whatever you received from that interaction and that friendship was kind of coming up in your hologram. Oh, a hundred percent. That's exactly what it is. What it is. Um, I because I had actually <laughs> like the last year or so has been a very transformative um, journey for me. Um, like uh, about like a year or so ago, I started diving into learning more about Filipino history and culture. It was actually something that I didn't really dive into that much before because um, like as a kid, I didn't want to be Filipino because I was like, I don't really? want to be different. Yeah, it was yeah. you know the classic, you know, only like <laughs> brown girl in my class. So I'm just yeah. like, I don't want to be that person. Um, and so I, I feel like I'm starting to make up for all of that lost time hating my culture and my heritage. And Interesting. Um, now I'm, yeah, so now I'm starting to embrace it, learn more about it, and hopefully like share it with other people. And the cool thing about um, Lynn, the shaman, is that she is the perfect person to be on this journey with because she's teaching me not just about shamanism, but also just like just being a Filipino woman. Like, I don't know. It's like, it's truly what I needed. And I'm, yeah, I I just, I met her at such a perfect time. (laughs) Yeah. And I met a crazy guy in the park. So (laughs) those are perfectly uh, symmetrical anecdotes and I'm glad I shared my side of it. Um, so on that journey that you've been on, what else have you discovered that you've found particularly surprising or interesting? I guess as it connects to also the the occult or the supernatural, mm-hmm. was there anything that you've uncovered or any page that you've turned specifically as you dive into Filipino history where you're, you've been surprised at some of the connections to your interests in the paranormal or supernatural? Oh, Yes. I love that question. I'm glad you asked it. (laughs) I'm Um, trying to redeem myself from going off on my tangent (laughs) by getting things back on track. I do have a question, though. What happened? Did he get you? (laughs) I died. I'm a ghost. (laughs) 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 And I run this podcast weekly. No, um, (laughs) I ran across the street. I told so I the confrontation It was barely a confrontation because I saw him tracking me through the park when I was walking home and he'd been tracking me while I was filming, but I, I was able to keep an eye on him and I saw even when he reached into his pocket and I, and I was Mm -hmm. like, okay, this guy's not leaving me alone. And, uh, he brings out a knife, but then he dropped it. So we both got like a very clear insert shot, like a special on the (laughs) knife in the grass and then he picked it up and started walking toward me, and I started apologizing to him, which uh, I felt compelled to do. I started saying, I'm sorry if I upset you. Uh, man, I think I might have upset you. And he was like, what? And I said, I think I might have made you angry, and I wanted to say I'm sorry for that. And he said, oh, I'm angry? You think I'm angry? And he took like one or two more steps forward, and I, I realized if he takes another step, he's within swiping distance so I just turned and ran and I, I ran in all, I was in the short film. I have a monkey stuffed animal that I've befriended in the apocalypse because I've lost my mind. And I have a radio strapped to my belt to communicate with other survivors in the apocalypse, all this stuff. So I'm running through the park away from him. And 
I clear uh, the main street next to the park and then look back and he's getting to the edge of the park and stopping. He's relenting. So I think he, mm. as long as I was like out of his space, um, the images in my head were Fisher King. I don't know. I kept seeing how in Fisher <laughs> King, Robin Williams sees different things as being this big red knight. I feel like I must have looked like something in his hologram. I must have represented something to him. I don't know. Ooh, that's, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, maybe it looked like I was mocking the disposition mm-hmm. of someone that was that, um, uh, I don't know, out of sorts. Um, but maybe. yeah, maybe. Okay, yeah, I was just curious. I was like, you can't tell yeah. me that you were chased by a guy with a knife and not tell me how it ended. <laughs> and leave it at that. Yeah, we'll never know. Uh, no, I, I ran all the way home and then collapsed on the floor in my laundry room and started to take the duct tape off of me that I had kind of strapped myself into this costume in. And then I never saw him again. A lot of people said, well, why didn't you call the cops right away? And I should have, but my mind was just not, as long as I was out of the park, I was like, that's over. I didn't stop and think, well, there's still a dude in the park with a knife. I don't know. Um, So, (laughs) Filipino culture (laughs) and how it's related to the supernatural and what you've discovered. Sure. Um, now I have to think. <laughs> um, so, so oh, okay. When I was learning about Filipino history, particularly pre-colonial history, so before the Spaniards came and colonized the Philippines, um, you know, the Philippines before it was just a cluster of islands. They all were their own individual things. They weren't a unified country until the Spanish came, um, and before. They came over and tried to convert every, well, they did convert everyone to Catholicism. The people who were the heads of society were Babylon, and most of them were women or trans women. So actually, the way that gender was seen in the Philippines, it was it was more tied to your societal function. So hmm. because a Babylon had feminine energy, if you were one, then you were considered a female, if that makes sense. So... Yeah. Um, these Babylon were really powerful priestesses. Um, they were the people who performed rituals for important events. They were the people who taught history. They were the mediums. They played a very huge role in society. And so the Spanish <laughs> colonizers didn't like that. They weren't chill mm-hmm. with that. And so they ended up murdering a lot of them and <laughs> the way that they did that was they threw them to the crocodiles. Oh my um, goodness. So, yeah, just like really brutal. Yeah. And the Babylons that were able to escape, they escaped to the mountains. And that's the only reason why any of their traditions and culture is still alive. Like it almost was nearly wiped out. And I remember when I learned about that, it sort of just, I don't know, it, it like hurt my heart to think that mm-hmm. this part, this aspect of Filipino culture almost was completely wiped out. Um, so much of Filipino culture was almost wiped out. A lot of the um, documents were burned when they were colonized. Um, and so there's this resurgence right now with um, Filipino Americans today where we're uh, trying to get people to learn Babayan. Um, Babayan was our ancient script and you like never see it anywhere. And so we're trying to like resurrect that. Um, and also like the ancient tattoo practices. Um, And I didn't really make the connection between my passion for the paranormal and the spiritual um, 
until I was learning more about pre-colonial Philippines because I was like, oh, this is literally in my blood. Like all of my mm-hmm. ancestors talk to spirits. They share these stories like this is this is what our people do. This is mm-hmm. like how we function. And it just like gave me a bigger appreciation for the paranormal and ghost stories because it's like this is this is what being Filipino is. Right. Right. And I think God, it's such it's such a cool journey to go on. I feel like I don't know I don't I don't think I can imagine what that's like, what that's like for you. I, I think in my life I feel a disconnect from my uh, family in a way that I that I am not happy with. Mm-hmm. So I think about uh, wanting to connect to family of mine that that live in. I mean, this is gonna this pales in comparison to the kind of depth and history you're talking about. But it makes me think about when I talk to a cousin, of, you know, of mine in Oklahoma or Arkansas that I haven't talked to since I was a kid. But when I talk to them, when I hear what they're going through, when I hear problems they've had, when I, you know, uncles that have been, uh, I probably shouldn't share many details, but my family has had some dark times (laughs) Mm -hmm. and I feel it. Like I feel it in a way that feels like it's with me. And it's not as simple as the joke in our family is always like, well, there's the city mouse and the country mice. And, you know, Andrew went off to be Steelberg is what they say. <laughs> um, <laughs> he went off to be Steelberg. And uh, and there's this divide. But the truth is, when I've connected with family on either side, I feel like the, you know, this this connection and this openness that like wherever they have come from, I've come from. And I wish I knew more uh, further back and I uh, and I it is something that that is inside of you I mean so to go mm-hmm. that far back and to understand it's crazy to me that and I'm sure you know the details but how did this history even how did it survive um, I mean was it passed down orally was it was it stories that were told that permeated culture and and like when was it cataloged and written and archived properly? How did it not just vanish? Filipino Catholics kind of view Catholicism differently. Like there's some people who they don't do any of the traditional traditional Filipino stuff infused with it. Um, but other people see their fusion version as real Catholicism because that's all hmm. they know. You know, it, it sort of just depends on how you grew up. And... Um, I don't know. I just think it it speaks to the Filipino spirit that like we were able we as if I I was there, <laughs> but <laughs> Filipinos were able to keep the traditions alive in this way, and um, yeah. I I wish I wish I could remember uh, more about the shaman that I visited because the stories that he told about the religion that he practices uh, were similar that uh, mm-hmm. that the religion had to be kind of woven into what would look like Catholic practices. Mm -hmm. And man, am I blanking on the specifics (laughs) of his religion, but, um, what if he's Filipino? (laughs) I don't, I don't think he was, but gosh, wouldn't that be wonderful? And I've completely botched (laughs) making this great narrative connection. Um, 
But I do know that, uh, I mean, he, you know, he, before we showed up at the shop or actually while we were at the shop, he was doing a chicken sacrifice and, and was even allowed to kill larger animals in his backyard. He was protected by, um, some uh, religious protection act that uh, he was allowed to kill goats in his backyard. But he told us a lot about how the religion that he practices and where it came from had to be kind of masked in a way that would make um, the uh, the Catholic presence happy and feel mm-hmm. like, okay, so you're, you're doing our thing, right? And they'd be like, yeah, 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 for sure. <laughs> and then it would be something different. Sneaky, so it's similar. Sneaky. And I wish I knew more about it to to make those connections further. But um, But that's interesting. And it's interesting too that, I guess modern Filipinos may practice it as uh, different contextually than mm-hmm. others. Some may understand that it was a blend of of uh, of practices, whereas some may take it as this is the way to practice Catholicism yeah. strictly. Um, that's very interesting. Well, are there any other? I'm a big cryptids guy. I'm a big monster guy. Mm-hmm. I asked about Bigfoot. We talked about the Duende. Are there any other cryptids that permeate uh, Filipino lore, folklore, or uh, reality? It doesn't have to be lore. It could be... <laughs> it's all real. It's all Andrew. real. Um, yeah. I'm a big... Uh, if people played a drinking game while listening to The Untold Hour, they would take a shot every time Bowser said, Goatman, because I grew up in PG County, Maryland, and there was a Goatman legend. Mm, okay. And I believe it to be true. I believe one day I'll find the goat man and that's what I'll actually be famous for, not for being Steelberg. Um, <laughs> are there any other cryptids in Filipino culture that are talked about? Who are there? Uh, my oh. absolute favorite is the Mananangal. Have you heard of it? <clears throat> no. Ooh, strap in. So <laughs> <laughs> it is a, it looks like a woman during the day. And then at night, she is able to separate her upper body from her legs. So she just leaves her legs just there on the ground. She grows really big bat wings. And then she flies around in the sky at night. And her intestines are just like dangling out of her body. And she flies around looking for pregnant women because she wants to stick her long tongue in their belly button and scoop out the fetus and eat it. Oh, my gosh. Out of all the directions I thought that was going, yeah. that's not where I thought it was going. Where did you think it was going? <laughs> I don't know. I Well, first, when you talked about it separating it from its legs, I pictured uh, the girlfriend in Evil Dead 2 and, and, and <laughs> yeah. how I think, you know, her legs are still sentient and mobile even when she's been, like, dissected. But um, and then I and then I did think some kind of maybe La Llorona uh comparable of wanting children or mm-hmm. taking children but i just didn't think bat wings and exposed intestines that was the <laughs> surprise i thought she would morph into something else but the idea that it's still kind of half torso is great what a wonderful visual yeah i love her <laughs> <laughs> and so are there uh a lot of times in cultures there are stories told that involve cryptids or boogeyman or monsters to apply a moral or to deliver a moral tale is that the same in filipino culture are there tales that are told that are specifically to keep kids away from this element or not do this bad thing 
Yes, there definitely is. Um, you can definitely tell which folklore has been influenced by Catholicism. Mm-hmm. Um, like, for example, there's uh, something called a Chinook, which is it looks like a baby. And if you hear it crying in the woods, you're not supposed to go up to it because it's actually not a baby. It is a little demon that will eat you. That I've heard of. Yeah. yeah. And there's there's something similar to that in a lot of different cultures. Um, mm-hmm. But the whole, uh, the origin story of a Chinook is that they are created from aborted babies. So it's like, okay, oh, wow. we, we see the connection there. Right. Um, for the Mananangal, I think... I want like my belief is that it started as an explanation for miscarriages, you know, like, yeah, if, a you know, woman has a miscarriage in the night and doesn't know how to explain it. Um, also, I recently saw these photos of giant bats in the Philippines. They're like almost human sized. And I'm like, oh, maybe that's what people saw flying in the sky. And then that's right. sort of what started the story of like a half woman because that's kind of what it looks like were those Um, real i saw those photos too i think they are i was (laughs) yeah they're called they're called something foxes sky i don't think sky fox right right maybe it's a sky i'll call them sky foxes (laughs) it doesn't matter yeah sky fox i didn't do my due diligence and find out if those photos were real i just saw it passing on a headline and i thought holy moly they are i think they are yeah it would explain a lot Yes. Well, I'm always a little bummed when um, we talk about this on the podcast often when something that is grandiose and monstrous in my eyes just turns out it's, you know, well, Chupacabra is not real. It's just a Mm. raccoon with mange. There's just no bigger bummer than that. So I hope it's a it's actually a winged woman with exposed intestines and not not just giant bat. I hope giant bats are cool, too. I don't know. I don't know. Like, I'll be bummed if they find Nessie, quote unquote, and it's just mm. a giant catfish that somehow right. you know, made its way to the lock. Yeah. But then also, see, that's the thing about cryptids and just the paranormal in general, because at what point, <laughs> how do I say this? <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, I feel, I didn't say anything. Why would you know what I meant? Um, <laughs> but I may know where you're going. Right. So let's say that the flying foxes in the Philippines is the reason why people thought Mananangals were real. Right. But then, you know, you could still say, well, that doesn't mean that the Mananangal also doesn't exist. Sure. You know, like maybe like the Chupacabra does exist and raccoons with mange just look like it like i don't know i feel like there's ways to sort of try to make mutually exclusive yeah Yeah. or yeah or shouldn't i be just as stoked that there's a fish that's as big as nessie i'm still getting Mm -hmm. my monster Mm -hmm. kind of it's like people talk about mothman being um owls that have had possibly been like radiated uh, because of certain experiments that were being done in in west virginia and point pleasant and and mm-hmm. they're like so you know mothman might just be a fucked up owl and i'm thinking well that kind of bums me out but at the same time monster owl slash mothman i'll <laughs> yeah. take either yeah see yeah and that's i love that you brought that up because i feel like there is so sound like a freaking weirdo but like there's <laughs> so much wonder in the world there's so much right. amazing things that do that we accept as real. Like, to me, the fact that the blue whale is a thing right. freaks me out. But, like, the the way, like, we don't view that as, like, this amazing thing. Yeah. 
I don't know. I, I'm not it's sure a, if I'm getting my point across. No, yeah, it's 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 a lot of times it's just the the frame that we put it mm-hmm. in. I mean, um, I uh, I had a buddy who uh, who told, gosh, we were on a. We were on a wine trip for the boys. My buddy was about to have a baby, and he was like, okay. "I deserve a, a a wine trip with my boys." So we went to uh, uh, did we go to Los Alamos? I think we were in Los Alamos or Los Olivos. Uh, anyway, wine trip was popping off. It was. I mean, it was like a uh, Kristen Bell comedy. You know, we <laughs> we were all getting crazy, and um, two of my friends got into a conversation about. Exactly what we're talking about. Um, my friend had experienced something using a Ouija board. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll call them uh, the Ouija board guy's name is Mark, and my skeptic friend's name is Randall. Okay. I'm going to forget the fake names I just gave them. But Mark, Mark and was Randall. Going, Mark and Randall. Mark <laughs> was going on and on about this Ouija board experience he had, and I wasn't in the conversation. I was talking to another buddy, and uh, and Mark was saying, you know, this Ouija board. I don't believe in that stuff. I don't believe in that stuff. But it said something that only I knew. It answered a question that only I knew the answer to. And Randall was like, bullshit, bullshit. It could have been this, it could have been that. And they argued about it for so long that it spun off into all these directions about God and mm-hmm. and you know, other universes and <laughs> dimensions. I mean, it just went all over the place because they were wine drunk. <laughs> but by the end of their conversation... What I, I eventually got involved, at least I became just a spectator, and I started listening to it. What, what Mark believed to be something supernatural answering him through that board, um, uh, Randall defined as, well, maybe something scientifically interdimensional, or there, is, there are other levels of planes of existence that we could tap into, but it's scientific, and it might be, and I was like, it, it also wine drunk. I was like, y'all are talking about the same goddamn thing. <laughs> it's just, he's saying the Ouija board was magic. You're saying, well, maybe it was a force or it was you moving it and it was from the future or it was, you know what I mean? Like, right. it was just how one was choosing to contextualize it. It's just like with magic or therapy, yeah. you can say, well, it's not magic. Or you can say, well, no, that is the magic. It's magic. Um, changed right right and uh and yeah i mean they started talking about all sorts of things and and by the time my friend randall started saying yo i don't believe in time travel but i do believe there are other dimensions and yes one day black holes are real so you could pass through and i was like you dudes are saying all of the same things you're just (laughs) your semantics are different yeah and it's looking like this impasse that it isn't that it isn't really well i feel like we could talk about (laughs) <laughs> a great many things, um, uh, not just raccoons with mange. We could talk about so much, um, but our time has come to an end. But I do want to ask if there's anything else that you that you wanted to share before we wrap it up. Anything that you think would be interesting for people to look into that you've been learning about, or um, any trail you 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 could recommend people go off on that are looking Ooh. to explore some of the things that you've talked about. Any books you might want to recommend if they found what you discussed interesting you know here's what i will leave you with yes so again this is something that i learned from lynn my shaman friend also please check out our website herbalaria.com um so she 
explains our intuition as the voices of the spirits of our ancestors. So, um, like, do you consider yourself a particularly intuitive person? Me? Yeah. I, you know, I'd like to say yes, but I also think I listen to uh, a lot of nerves and a lot of anxiety and a lot of, I'm, I'm constantly spinning. I think when that stuff is settled, mm-hmm. I am I am intuitive. Okay. Um, but it takes a lot of settling and focusing to get there. Okay. Um, so, you know, like it kind of feels like just that inner voice, like when you're going over a problem or like whatever, literally anything that you're thinking of, um, that is your intuition. And, um, the, the way that Lynn explained it is that that is actually the voices of our ancestors who've come Mm. before us and they are guiding us through our life. Cause you know, if you think about it, like what? No one really knows what intuition actually is, and people call it different things. Some people say the universe, they call it God, Mm -hmm. um, just a gut feeling, a hunch. But we all acknowledge that it exists. It is a very real thing, and we do not know what it is. Um, But ever since I started to think of my intuition as the spirits of my ancestors speaking to me, Hmm. it has actually changed my outlook on life in a lot of ways. Um, Like... I, God, how do I say this? Um, Because, like, part of what we did at Lynn's house when I was there for the full moon ritual, um, she had a fire and we gave food offerings and we basically were giving thanks to our ancestors for all of the wisdom that they've given us over Mm -hmm. the years. And so, you know, you're supposed to show thanks and gratitude to all of the people who came before you. And then in doing so, they continue to bless you with things and whatever in the future. And so once I started thinking of it that way, I, 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 just, <laughs> I just feel like life seems a bit more like magical. <laughs> yeah. You know, like it's cool, especially since now um, I'm starting to learn a lot more about my great grandmother and my great grandfather stories. Um, and so like when I, if, when I'm sitting with my intuition or whatever, and I think of it as like, oh, I'm like talking to them somehow, like kind of makes me feel connected to these people that I didn't have a chance to connect with before. Yeah. So I guess my, okay, I'm rambling <laughs> as I, no, it makes sense. my, what I want you listeners <laughs> to try to do, um, take a week to do the same like whenever you get a thought in your head view it as oh that's my ancestors talking to me and thank them for that thought um and maybe hit up your parents ask them hey wow you tell me stories about grandma and grandpa or like whatever because you know you mentioned that like you know you feel this like connection with your family and you mm-hmm. don't necessarily have you know that like long history or historical knowledge of you know where your family may have come from but if you dig deep enough you will probably find something that will show you oh this is why i am interested in horror and all of these things right you know like maybe you maybe you had witches in your family like really really far back so um yeah people listening try to like dig deep into your ancestral history you might find something really cool and interesting because i that's what i've been doing and i've been learning so much I think that's great. I think that's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for sharing that. And thank you for being here. Let people know where they can find you on social media and 
what you have coming up so they can so they can follow you. Yes. So on Instagram and Twitter, I am at Awkward Sapphire. I hate it. I haven't changed it, <laughs> but um, I hate it so much. Anyways, that's where you can find me. Um, and then I have a podcast called Stories with Sapphire. There's new episodes every Wednesday. My podcast is literally like everything I just like spat out today. Like that's the kind of stuff I talk about, um, but in a very serious way. <laughs> so um, if you're into very serious paranormal podcasts, I hope you check it out. Wonderful. Well, that Again, was a wonderful so chat with Sapphire. I could have kept talking. Uh, yeah, I put my foot in my mouth a couple of times by starting stories that I didn't have endings to, but that's just my style. Get used to it. I enjoyed that discussion. I want to know more about the things she's uncovering as she goes on this journey. I want to know more about her personal experiences in the paranormal. She's also a huge horror movie fan. I want to know more about that. So we may have Sapphire back on to have further discussions. Uh, But until that time, I want all of you to check out The Untold Hour on Instagram, which is just The Untold Hour. And you can follow us on Twitter at Untold Hour Pod. Until next week, this has been Andrew Bowser, and you've been listening to The Untold Hour. Bye! A A podcast network.